This is Tom Vargiletis with the Full-Time Real Estate Photographer Podcast, Episode 11, The Best Cameras for Real Estate Photography. So I've touched on this a little bit before in my first episode, but just very briefly. And since I've been working a lot more with a couple of different camera and lens combinations, as I'm building buying guides and tutorials for my full-time real estate photographer course in development, I wanted to share an episode with my thoughts thus far on these two cameras and these two lenses specifically as some really great budget entry-level options. And even if you're a full-time real estate photographer now or a professional photographer looking to use what you have handy or to build out a real estate photography kit, these are going to be some great options because if you've been a full-time photographer or even a prosumer, maybe even a dedicated hobbyist for a number of years, and if you've been using crop sensor cameras, odds are good that you've heard of these or you might even own one. And the cameras that I've been using every single day on a professional basis for my real estate photography and videography are not the greatest cameras that money can buy, even during the years that they were first manufactured. The two cameras that I've been talking about are more than enough for producing really high-quality real estate photography. Now, if you wanted to go to like the top tier of architectural photography, and if you want to post photos for magazines and high-end designers, you might not be able to pull the dynamic range out of these images that these cameras produce that you would really want for the industry's most demanding clients. But for your everyday real estate listing, even some higher-end homes, these are great options. The first one I've mentioned before is the Panasonic GH4. This is a hybrid camera. It's built with some great photo and video features in mind. In fact, I use my GH4 for just about all of my real estate video. And for most of the video that you'd see in my course, I just alternate between the GH4 and some other cameras. But this is a great camera. It's, it's not brand new. Like I said, th this was launched in 2014, something like that. And as I said before, it wasn't even the best camera you could buy that year. But it has some amazing features packed into a really small body. The image quality is pretty good. It's not perfect, of course. But the way that we shoot, the way that I shoot real estate using a mix of ambient and flash, you're able to pull the image quality out of the camera. So the final image is much better than what you could just get out of a single ambient or a single flash exposure. And the final product is really high quality. If you know how to use your equipment, you can do some amazing things with them. A lot of people are focused on the gear as if it's your equipment that does all the work, which is it's just not true. When you're a photographer, you're the one doing the work. You need to know what tools you're using and how to use them and how to get the best image quality out of them. So the GH4, when it comes to video and stills, you can get some really good quality images and video out of it. Just need to know what you're doing with it. The lens that I'm using on my GH4 is the, um, 
it's kind of an awkward name. I think it's called like the Leica DG Vario 2.8 to 4.0 aperture, 8 to 18 millimeter. It's a zoom lens, not a prime. And it's a pretty sharp zoom lens. I know that a lot of photographers prefer to use primes only. I find that, at least when it comes to real estate, the lens does a great job. And being able to have that zoom range is really helpful when you're trying to find different compositions. The lens also does not have a ton of distortion. So when you're zoomed all the way out, you can see just a little bit of kind of curving to to your vertical lines just at the edge of the frame which is easily correctable so overall it's a great lens it's weatherproof the gh4 is weatherproof when i'm out in the winter time or during some rain i don't mind getting the camera and the lens a little bit wet i do take measures to protect my equipment in adverse weather conditions but because of the gh4's weather sealing and the lenses weather seal i'm able to take those appointments if the weather's looking a little bit iffy sometimes even taking photos in the rain while it's actively raining and sometimes i kind of like the look of wetted down driveways and roads the gh4 uses what we call a micro four third sensor if you're not super familiar with cropped sensor or how the camera sensor size affects the images that you take and and how you take them there's a lot of great resources on youtube when you're comparing focal lengths to other camera and lens combos people will apply what's called a crop factor to determine equivalencies in focal lengths and apertures so like the 8 to 18 millimeter lens would be something comparable to a full frame 16 to 36 approximately you have to apply the crop factor to the aperture as well so it's a full frame equivalent of a um, 5.6 to 8 variable aperture. The reason why I said two numbers is, is because it's not a continuous aperture. If you make the lens go as wide as it can go, and then you crank the aperture all the way open to 2.8, and then you zoom in, the aperture will automatically stop down from 2.8 to once you zoom all the way in to 4. And you can't stop that. That's just how the lens is built. For real estate, that's not a big deal because I usually leave the aperture at 4.0 for most of my interiors and exteriors. In fact, I won't usually go lower than that unless I have to because I'm hand-holding images and I'm trying to get the most light in possible because most of my shots, most of my interiors are on a tripod. So I can leave the aperture at four because I know it's going to leave pretty much everything in the room nice and sharp for me. And I can adjust the shutter speed as slow as I need to to get the proper exposure because we're on a tripod and uh, we're not going to be getting any camera shake in there. That might blur the image. This is a great all-around camera for real estate because you can get your stills. And because you want a pretty wide field of view most of the time, you aren't going to really be cropping that much. So when you look at the total megapixel count, I know that's really important to some people, but... In real estate photography, even on the GH4, I'm down-resing the images. So I'm taking a, what, 12 megapixel image? And when I'm doing my final export into Lightroom, I'm down-resing everything to 2,000 pixels on the long edge. So you don't even need that many megapixels. I mean, the more the better for cropping purposes later on. But the overall image resolution that you deliver to the client doesn't need to be that high because even if they blow it up and show it on their 
Ultra HD 4K TV. A 4K TV is only displaying something like a 8 megapixel image. That's what 4K is. If you grab one still from a 4K video, it's going to be about 8 megapixels. So when you're using a 12 megapixel camera, even though you could buy a 50 megapixel camera, if you put a 12 megapixel image next to a 50 megapixel image, you're going to have the same dots on the screen. Now, in terms of sharpness and your ability to crop way down and then dynamic range and other things that differentiate these cameras, yes, that's going to make a a huge impact. I'm not saying that a still from a GH4 is going to be exactly comparable to like a Sony a7R or something like that. But when it comes to delivering photos for real estate photography, the GH4 is a great option because it's cheap. So it's easily replaceable. It's a pretty small form factor. So you're not carrying around a whole bunch of weight or this big cumbersome thing. It's easy to carry and transport and move around. The image files are easier to deal with. If you're shooting raw with 40 megapixel files, you're taking four times the, the amount of data than you would if you had the GH4, which means you're going to need four times the storage. It's going to be much more difficult to process these photos on your computers, you're going to need like a top of the line computer to be able to zip through those huge files like you can do with the GH4 files on just a normal everyday computer. So that GH4 with the Leica 8 to 18, it's an awesome combo. That is my daily driver because the GH4, like I said, has some really good video features. You can film in 4K, you can film some really good 1080 slow-mo, and it's just been super reliable for me. It's never been difficult or expensive to get accessories for it. And the Micro Four Thirds sensor has a common Micro Four Thirds lens mount. So other Micro Four Thirds lenses for, from other manufacturers will fit on this camera. So you've got a really wide array of lenses to choose from. If you want to get into anything outside of just real estate, you can get portrait lenses. You can get some really interesting products out there at a really fair price, you know, and it's so much smaller. You can get a super telephoto lens on a micro four thirds camera and carry it in a bag and go hiking with it. You want to do that with, uh, with a full frame camera and lens, you're going to need a big old backpack to carry all that stuff. It's just a really versatile form factor and it's a wonderful combo for real estate. So the second camera that is also really good for real estate is the Sony a6000. Now this was made I think in the same year if I remember right. It was a 2014 launch for the a6000 and you're getting a little bit higher resolution 20 megapixels. JPEG straight out of camera look pretty good. Better in some instances compared to the GH4. But when you're shooting in RAW and you're doing color corrections in post, the color science becomes pretty irrelevant. Dynamic range seems to be better. I'm more, much more comfortable cropping in on the A6000 because you've got those extra eight megapixels or eight megapixels or so. You can you can crop in a little bit. And when you download your files anyway to 2,000 pixels like I do, then you don't even end up noticing that some images were cropped, which is a huge plus. And this is for pixel peepers. Like I said, for most real estate applications, no one would even notice if one image was slightly lower resolution than the other. So the lens that I've got for my Sony a6000 is the 
4.0, 10 to 18. Again, another, another zoom lens. This is an APS-C sensor, which is slightly larger than the Micro Four Thirds sensor. So the crop factor is different. If you're comparing it to a full frame camera, it's equivalent to like a 15 to 27, something like that with an aperture of 6.0 and and this this is not a variable aperture lens so if you set it down to four it stays at four through the through the entire focal range which is nice better for video when you have the variable aperture and you zoom in while you're recording video what happens is as the aperture goes from the lower number to the higher number the image goes from properly exposed to underexposed which means that if you have a variable aperture lens, you either have to stop down the aperture to the, the highest number, and that's as low as you can go for the video if you plan on zooming, so that way it won't change on you. So if you ever want to get into video production, keep this in mind. That is not something that you want to learn during a video shoot. Remember to do your research on your lenses, and if you're just starting out, practice a lot, and um, you'll work out those kind of kinks and learn those lessons, like making sure to check what your settings are on a variable aperture lens. Now, if I had no camera, no camera suitable for real estate photography, and I had to buy one, I would buy the GH4 because you have the added flexibility of those video features. The video on the Sony is okay, but honestly, besides the interesting things you can do with your different lenses, it's got less video features than you would have on, on your camera if you get like a Filmic Pro app. Because you can only film in 1080p, you're just really limited. You only have a few options, which is fine because this is not supposed to be a video focused camera it's a stills primarily camera with some video capabilities and that's okay it comes in handy when you need it if you have nothing else but if you have a relatively new phone with a pretty good camera on it you might want to just use that i used the gh4 for my real estate videos for my course videos i only really use the video in the a6000 if i have no other choice or when i was testing it out it's not really my go-to camera for video. So if you're just thinking about doing stills only, you do get a little bit better image quality out of the A6000. But if you think you might want to be doing both stills and video, go for the GH4, get a nice wide-angle lens. It's worth the investment. Now, there is something really important that we need to think about, and that's going to be resale value and future support on this form factor on the micro four thirds because Panasonic has recently in, in the latter part of 2018 announced that they are going to be producing some full frame cameras, meaning the 35 millimeter image sensor. The odds of Panasonic investing so much time and money in developing and supporting a full frame camera system and continuing to develop the Micro Four Thirds system at the same time, I think are pretty low. So five years down the road, 10 years down the road, if you invest in the whole Micro Four Thirds system, it might lose a lot of its resale value if it's not going to be continuously kept up, meaning new lenses, new cameras, etc., etc. 
Now, this might not end up being the case because like I mentioned before, the Micro Four Thirds, the cropped sensor format means you can get much smaller lenses and lighter lenses. So it's probably not disappearing. Oh, well, I'll, I can guarantee you it's not going to disappear overnight. That's for sure. But down the line, you might want to consider if you have nothing right now, getting into a full frame right away, even though it's going to cost you a bit more money. Personally, I've invested a lot in the Micro Four Thirds system, and I'm getting professional quality results that's probably not going to be rendered obsolete anytime soon. Probably not even for the foreseeable future, because the GH4, even though it's older, can still record 4K video and deliver large enough images that I can stop them down. The only way that this is going to be rendered obsolete is if we start getting TVs and computer screens and because this is this is all digital media. If if we're standardizing like 8K or 10K video and just everyone has it and expects it. And if we're standardizing like super high resolution, 20, 30 megapixel images and getting that resolution on our screens then we could run into some issues with senescence with the gear and that we're going to have to really seriously get some upgrades. Um, but if you've lived through the VHS to DVD to Blu-ray to streaming in media, you understand that these things always kind of follow this little process. We can't really see how it's going to be 20 years ahead, but we can imagine pretty reasonably how things are going to look. And we can also see as we're living our lives, these things incrementally being Im improved and increased. So get a really good feel for how valuable something like this is going to be in the future. And in my opinion, even if Panasonic stops supporting Micro Four Thirds mounts, the lenses are still going to hold a lot of value and the cameras are still going to be valuable to your business because you're going to be able to produce professional quality results for many years into the future. So I'm not terribly worried about it. In fact, it might be even better for us as real estate photographers starting out for the resale value on these things to go down because that means we can just buy them up cheaper and use them to make even more money, which, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Those are a couple really great options. I wanted to put out a podcast on this for you because I'm actually filming some reviews and some test images for these. It's going to be a part of my full-time real estate photographer course. If you're interested in something like that, I'll be making it available for pre-sale pretty soon. I'm expecting to officially launch the course around January 1st, so stay tuned if you're interested. Real estate is one of the easiest places to make money on your photography. If you're already a photographer and you want to branch off into real estate or maybe you're a hobbyist and want to make some cash on the side or if you want to be like me cover your mortgage bills vacation insurance everything just with your photography which is pretty awesome never mind building something that you can watch grow I know for me it gives me a lot of purpose and just energy like I've never had before working as an employee for someone else so if you're interested and want to get some information on that you can actually email me with any questions and comments if you have any general questions or comments on the podcast any feedback 
That'd be greatly appreciated. And you can email me at my new email address. That's right. We don't have full-time real estate photographer at gmail.com anymore. However, that email has not been shut down. If you have saved it and if you have sent a message to full-time real estate photographer at gmail.com, it is now being forwarded to the new email address. And it is tom at ftrephoto.com. That's ftrephoto.com. That is, of course, where the full-time real estate photographer course will live once the site is up and running. So I just got that email ready to go in advance. And in addition to that, if you really want to get serious about being a full-time real estate photographer, I've just published a book. It is called, you guessed it, Full-Time Real Estate Photographer. You can search it on Amazon.com and it should be available at any major bookseller online. And you can find it in the Kindle ebook format as well as the paperback format. So if you want to pick up a book that will walk you through start to finish, getting your business up and running, getting your clients, photo shooting, editing, all that fun stuff in book format, it's available now. I actually just published it this past weekend. It took me a few months to uh, finish it up. I didn't even mention it on this podcast up until now because I wasn't 100% sure when I'd get it posted. But now that the book is out, I can focus all my extra attention on developing the course. Look forward to some updates on that once it becomes ready. And remember, any questions, comments, anything, you can reach me by emailing tom at ftrephoto.com. And without further ado, I'm Tom Vargelettis, and this was the Full-Time Real Estate Photographer Podcast, Episode 11.